before I ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot and really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to this edition. Yeah, wow. Starting it off great. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Disloyal Idiots, a Fans for Sports Network production. Uh, joining you as always, myself, Steve Haller, Christian Guzman, the ghost of Andy Pregler, and John Arsenigo, our uh, lacrosse guru over at Noon's Magician, uh, coming off the women's uh, thromping of, I'm just going to make words up because it was seemed, like seemed it. to be that dominant uh, over Johns Hopkins. How are we doing, guys? We actually now get to play the we get to play the philosophical question of what's a better lacrosse playing surface for this team to be on? Is it the dome or is it the SU soccer stadium? Mm. Yeah. Yes, indeed. An important question too, since they uh, announced they're moving back to the dome for uh, for Thursday night's quarterfinal. So. Oh really? Yeah. yeah those, I hope, those, I hope those the pesky. answer isn't definitively the soccer stadium because we are moving back inside <laughs> uh, on Thursday. Well, hopefully those pesky graduates won't be sticking around to clog up the dome. <laughs> so, Indeed. So it seems Indeed. like it seems like the uh, the women decided to, you know, make it make it less of a game than they have in uh, recent past. Did the, did they find uh, their find their stride today and kind of work some kinks out, or was this kind of the the competition not being up to it? Uh they they definitely worked a lot of things out. I think we. We saw them get back to themselves with just one notable exception in terms of the one aspect of the game that was a notable exception, and that was the clearing game, uh, which had a disastrous uh, day, especially first half. They went uh, 9 of 16 in the first half on clears, huh. which is, uh, I guess we'll go with less than ideal, I guess, uh, <laughs> Is is uh pure. is the suboptimal? I suppose is <laughs> pure purely suboptimal. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, apparently, I I was unaware of this. Um, Hopkins employs the women's version of the ten man ride, known as the 12, 12 woman ride, um, where they take the goalie out and and high press uh, to try to force turnovers, which uh, we didn't look prepared for. Um, in the first half, uh, failed to clear almost as many times as we successfully cleared. Um, so that was the, that was the big fault on the day. They figured it out as the game went along, did a much better job in the second half. Um, other than that, everything looked, uh, looked pretty awesome. And I mean, you score 25 goals and you imagine that with all the failed clears, what could it, you know, they could have been pushing 30 if not for the trouble with, uh, with the high press, but, um, yeah, they got they they got their groove back. They got they got the swagger back uh, today. The offense was unbelievable. Again, twenty five goals. Defense um, holds Hopkins to eight. Uh, the draw game was really good. Adamson was great. She had twelve draw wins. Um, yeah, everything other than those those clears, uh, which they'll work on this week. I'm I'm certain of that. Um, was great. So, you know, Hopkins is better than their record. They finished with a 9-9 nine and nine record, but they played a ridiculously difficult schedule. Uh, a bunch of the teams that are – of the eight teams that are still left in the tournament, they played the majority of them. Um, so they're they're good. They got they got some good athletes. They're a good team. So to, to come away with that result is insane. And noteworthy, everybody else today struggled. Northwestern barely snuck past Michigan um, in – in their game, eight to seven, I think was the final. 
So they they barely survived uh, to keep themselves alive. North Carolina beat Richmond by a few. They struggled with them for for a good chunk. Um, uh, Florida got knocked out by Notre Dame. Florida was the seeded team. Uh, BC barely beat Penn by two goals. So everybody seemed to struggle today except for for uh, for Syracuse. So hey, I'll take that. Yeah. And for anyone but, yeah. who didn't realize, uh, Johns Hopkins in women's lacrosse plays in the Big Ten because that totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> yes. But that also yep. means they, you know, they were tested against Northwestern and uh, Maryland mm-hmm. and a couple other Michigan, the aforementioned Michigan, uh, during Michigan, yeah, so. and some really good out of conference games too. James yep. Madison, one of them, uh, Loyola, Stony Brook, they played a crazy schedule. So, um, yeah, to to win by that much, that's that's a that's a huge statement. Uh, that you know, the last couple games, that they used the two the two weeks off well. Nice. Let's say that they used it well and uh, and came back to have their best. You know, uh, other than the clears, their best performance of the year. And sure. Switzer remembered how to play in gold this week. She did. The, the okay. gold part she remembered. And actually, <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny you say that, Steve, because in my recap, I, I was careful to put Switzer looked like herself again in net. Now, it was, you know, it wasn't super noticeable if you're not when you read like the sentence, but she looked like herself in net 11 saves, only eight goals allowed when she's doing that. Yeah, that's incredible for this Syracuse team. Um, so, she, yeah, she really looked like herself again. The problem was the Clara game she herself had six turnovers in this game um just some you know a combination of some passes forced that she didn't need to force she'll do that sometimes she she likes to throw those deep passes yep. uh and threw a couple of those today that were probably not smart decisions right go, um, and go then, for the home run ball and just not pull it off exactly she threw one pass that was so deep it was intercepted by Hopkins goalie um <laughs> so she, that one was uh, one of the uh, let's go with ill-advised. Uh, hey, when you're when there. you're feeling it, you're feeling it, man. <laughs> I know you get. I know it, it's it, it's it's addictive. You start to throw some of those deep passes, and you say to yourself, "Let's go, let's do this." Gonna throw it deep, but uh, so yeah, that was that was rough. But uh, just clean up some of that decision making, and the most important thing for her, she's looking, she's looked great in goal. So nice. that was awesome. So. For those who don't know, Syracuse Women's Lacrosse started out 15-0, best start in program history, but then dropped two games towards the end, the regular season finale to Boston College, and then the ACC semifinal to North Carolina. Now, John, I understand I'm about to ask a loaded question, so I'll take all the time you need for this. Oh, boy. <laughs> what happened? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question, and um, it's a confusing question. Uh to me, I tell you, it's it's really one. It, it's it's something that I haven't really seen before. A team play that well, that dominant for 15 games into a season. Uh, obviously, you know the entire season sample wise, um, and then all of a sudden just lose it. Schweitzer lost it in in goal. What I was alluding to, she she looked slow in the ACC tournament. She wasn't seeing the ball. Just didn't look like herself. Uh, and the offense, the same thing. The the ball movement that had been there all season. This team spent the whole season leading the country in shooting percentage and assists, um, and was as a result near the top in goals. And the the ball movement went away. It was um, it was just lackluster uh, for a couple games there. And yeah, I mean, this is a, a long winded way of saying that. I mean, I really don't have an answer to that. As far as what happened for for those games, did was it 
the fatigue, you know, you, you, you start to play the guessing game. Was it the fatigue of going 15 and 0 and maybe feeling that pressure to, to keep that perfect season going and having the BC game end the way that it did with that, that awful fourth quarter. And then maybe a hangover from there, um, uh, carries over into the ACC tournament against the North Carolina team that, that was playing really well at the time. And they just blow them off the field, eight, nothing in like 20 minutes in that game game is over. Um, I mean, that would be, that's probably my best guess, but I mean, it's just confusing, especially when you look at today and what happened today with throwing 25 goals on the board. Um, you know, it's just, we're, we're just hopeful that it's a blip on the radar and, uh, it'll be, yeah, Thursday is going to be very interesting. Uh, when we take a further step up in competition and, um, and see, you know, how they handle that. Um, so, I'm hopeful right now that it was just kind of a, a fatigue, lost their focus, hangover type of situation that uh, the two weeks rest has allowed them the chance to just completely hit the reset, take a step back, um, rest f- mentally and physically. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been my hope this entire time. It certainly looked like that was the case today with the way they played. So hopefully uh, we'll look back on that question and that will end up being the answer. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't realize uh, this was, this was Syracuse's first NCAA tournament game, but the mm-hmm. uh, third round, second round, second, uh, round. second round. Yeah. Second round. Yeah. So that, that's yep. initially when you said Northwestern uh, playing Michigan, I was like, wait, same conference that can't work. Oh wait, not yeah. the first round game. Right. Makes, makes much more sense in my brain. Right. But, Exactly. And, along, yeah, and along those lines as well, uh, in the women's NCAA tournament, the top three seeds got to buy. Now, considering mm-hmm. how Syracuse ended the season and recency bias and everything, I was yeah. actually shocked that they got a two seed. I thought they could drop all the way to four just based yeah. on recency bias with Northwestern, BC, and, and and UNC closing out the season so strong. Do you yeah. think that was the, Do you think that was a fair uh, seeding for Syracuse getting to two? I think definitely getting the buy was fair for sure. I think that there's you can go back and forth with the two and the three. I mean, my initial emotional reaction uh, when you talk about recency bias, like when they when they lost to North Carolina in the ACC tournament, I was saying to myself, I, I think they just blew the buy seat. I think they're dropping to the four. Um, but that was kind of in the wake of getting crushed by North Carolina in the ACC tournament. Um, I think North Carolina deserved the four uh, when you when you look at the you know, the way all the computer numbers, RPI and strength of schedule worked out and the fact that Syracuse and North Carolina split with each other during the season. Um, and yeah, that's that's such an important thing to remember. Like when we think about seeding is that that Syracuse win over Northwestern on February 4th, that counts exactly the same for the committee, the committee's eyes as the April 28th loss to North Carolina in the ACC tournament. It, it counts exactly the same, even though they're three months apart. Um, so I think that the computer numbers being what they were, um, it made sense for North Carolina to be the four, especially with Syracuse splitting with them and BC also splitting with them. I think probably the main talking point issue would be with the two versus the three BC getting the three North, uh, Syracuse getting the two because of the head to head. Um, that's one of those where it's just kind of. It, it's it's tough to make a decision there because they have that head-to-head. So if that's the ultimate decider, then it becomes easy. But when you look at the resume outside of those two games, it's no question Syracuse had the better 
uh, the better resume. BC had um, a couple more losses and no bad losses, but um, they I'm blanking now on their losses, but you know, it's I have it pulled up here. Uh, Northwestern and Denver. Were, was that in Northwestern and Denver? Yeah. Okay, so obviously nothing bad there. Northwestern Denver's undefeated. Um, what's that, Steve? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, never mind. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was like, um, wait a minute. Where'd that third loss go? Oh, wait, never mind. Oh, that, yeah. that made more oh, sense. No, it, yeah. They, <laughs> um, and I actually so, watched that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, Syracuse's computer numbers were a little better, and I think their the overall strength of their schedule outside of the matchup with BC, for example, the fact that we beat Northwestern and BC didn't. Um is is what pushed them over even though bc had that head-to-head win and it was recent so it looks bad uh or not bad necessarily but questionable um but i think there were maybe more more you you put more checks in the boxes on syracuse's side than bc's but honestly that could come down to a personal preference of what do you think should be most important should bc be ahead of them because they beat um in a road game to end the season you know um you know, for the committee, they got a million things to take take into account. You know, I can go either way on that. To be honest, there's just there's there's so much. But uh, yeah, it, it. I'll be honest. I wasn't thrilled when it when it happened too, because I said to myself, all of a sudden we go from us looking for the revenge on BC beating us to now BC's the one with the chip on their shoulder because we get the higher seed even though they beat us the first time. So I would have been fine with the three seed uh, and not have BC get that extra motivation. But uh, we got to get there first. It probably would have been a bit more interesting also if UNC had won the ACC tournament. That probably could have been a bigger way to push Syracuse out of the bye. Yeah, definitely. That that for sure uh, helped us. That that I could. It's funny too because I I watched that BC North Carolina game. I wasn't expecting to. I ended up just watching the whole thing, and I could not decide as the game was going on what am I even rooting for here. I have no idea because it's so so close. But uh, among the three of them, so so close. Uh, but uh, seemed like it worked out pretty well for us. All right, so now it gets interesting as we as we move on. So Syracuse, like mm-hmm. you said, plays James Madison, and mm-hmm. then after that, assuming chalk goes all the way, is right. is the BC game. Um, but BC, BC still has a tough task ahead of them. It's I mean it's yeah. Notre Dame that they have to go up against. I mean mm-hmm. who's, who's no slouch, but no, yeah. Assuming chalk goes that way. Mm-hmm. We know what happened in the first game between Syracuse and BC, and, mm. and when, and I and it sounds like I'm overlooking James Madison. I kind of am. <laughs> Assuming chalk goes all the way, Syracuse had dominated the first half against BC and then completely collapsed in the second half. Yeah. What does Syracuse need to do in order to avoid that happening again in the perceived matchup against the Eagles on you know, on Final Four weekend? Right. Right. So, uh, first of all, just quick shout out to James Madison. Um, don't want to completely, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, just quick, uh, you know, uh, great. That, that's, that'll be an interesting game. They play a zone. So that'll be an interesting to see our offense attack their zone. One of the best offensive players in the country and Isabella Peterson. So that's going to be, that's going to be a fun time on Thursday. But, um, as far as, um, the BC game and, and corrections to be made, um, you know, it was, it was such an unusual circumstance the way it happened. I mean, first of all, there are defensive corrections to be made. Um, you go back to that fourth quarter, and 
the way that BC was kind of operating in sort of a triangle right around the crease with a couple players uh, on the left and right side of the goal, beneath behind the goal, and then flashing various players right into the middle of that zone, that, that soft spot in the middle of the zone, um, kind of a la, you know, basketball teams going to the, the free throw line. Um, you know, they, they made that work for them just over and over again in the fourth quarter, and we were never able to uh, fully make that adjustment. So that is a big one to look out for. Uh, and Go back and look at the tape and, and work on um, against a BC team that's got a, a ton of talent, moves the ball well, passes well, finishes well. Um, so that's big on the defensive end. And then, you know, def- uh, offensively, I-, I think the problem in that game was we we went away from the sh- I- the Stars too much. I think we didn't attack with the Star players enough. And after the game, Kayla answered a question and talked about putting an emphasis on getting more midfield scoring, uh, which did happen in that game, right? Sierra Cockrell, I think, finished with five points in that game. Maddie Baxter had uh, four goals in that game. So the midfield scoring was was great in that game, and there we we have a super talented midfield. But I think, you know, yeah, the bottom line about this team is this offense. You got to live and die with the Emmas and the Megs. You know that big four is you know they're all amongst the best players in the country. All four, you you throw them right up there, um, and. You know, while Sierra and Maddie and Natalie Smith and some of these Olivia Adamson, I mean, the the depth is absolutely insane on this on this team, on this offense. Uh, But I think they went away a little too willingly. And I mean, you credit BC's defense a certain amount as well. But I think they went away a little too willingly uh, from uh, the the focus on attacking through those four players. And I think that's going to be a a big thing. just in any game moving forward is they put this on, on the shoulders of those big four. They, they can, they can carry the load. No question about it easily. Uh, look at what the Tyrell sisters did today. 17 points between the two of them. Um, oh, I missed that tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. That seems I, fine. I said, in, <laughs> I said in my, I said in my article, happy mother's day to Mrs. Tyrell, because uh, that's just, you know, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. The Meg had nine points. Emma had eight points. Emma had seven goals. She tied the school record for goals in an NCAA tournament game. The record was held by Meg, so now it's the Tyrell sisters tied for the. So yeah, it's it's a good nice. day for the Tyrell. There you go. For the Tyrell uh, family. Yeah. Um, so you know, putting it on putting it on the shoulders of them and and using the the midfield as more of the complementary. We can go to them and have them do things for us. Maddie Baxter scored a couple of great goals today off the dodge. Uh, you know, she can do things like that for you other players can as well but i think the focus on those big four um and attacking through those big four that's that's a big key that that they did not do in the second half of that bc game let's do a bit more future looking here as well you mentioned megan tyrell six goals nine points yeah um yeah, so she's had an unbelievable season rightfully um a finalist for the torton award um that was yeah. announced this week as well it seems like it's a two-horse race between her and izzy skane Mm-hmm. Who's who's the front runner right now? Um, I would I would have to say I think it's probably Izzy Skane. I just think that she has. I think for Meg's campaign, she's had a few too many games this year where 
she's only been like, you know, really good instead of incredible. You know, a few too many games where it's been like a three point game for her. Obviously, you scored three, you scored three points. Awesome. But whereas Izzy's game is just like it's an unbelievable. uh, I think she's averaging maybe over seven points a game. Meg is at like five and a half. So it's like, you know, it's, it's she, Izzy Skane is unbelievable. She's absolutely an unstoppable force on the lacrosse field. Um, and Meg is in her own way as well, of course. Um, so I think Meg's had a few too many games uh, mixed in there um, as far as the points race is concerned. Um, you know, Meg's best argument is that she's probably the most well-balanced player, offensive player in the country. Uh, you know, she's almost evenly split with her goals and assists on the season, whereas Izzy um, is a player that primarily is the goal scorer. Um, I think whatever she's got, she's got probably about 90 goals this season or something something insane like that, 80-some-odd or something like that. Um, and so that's probably makes best argument is that she's is the most well-balanced player, um, if you want to go in that direction. Um, but I've just... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's just too much as he's gained, I think, um, is the answer. But those are for sure your your uh, your two, no question about it. Um, and if Meg doesn't get it, I mean, what an unbelievable run. Three years, 100 points, well over 100 points three times. She's, I mean, geez, today she became the third, the joined Alyssa Murray to become only the second player who's ever done that in school history. Um, she tied nine points today she tied uh she moved up to sixth place tied for sixth place on the all-time points list um so you know she's just you know it's unbelievable unbelievable career for her and uh we'll see we've never had a a, a women's towards on winner so that would be that would be awesome but wow what an what an insane career for megan tyrell I always find that really funny because, again, Syracuse has had some of the best women's lacrosse players yeah. to ever step on the field. And yeah. every time that they have one of those, whether it be Trainer or now Tyrell, yep. there's always that one person who's always just a little bit better. For Trainer's case, it was Taylor Cummings that I entire know. time. <laughs> right now, for Tyrell, it was Charlotte North, and now it's and now it's Skane. Right. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. it's incredible how Syracuse has come so close to that women's Tawartan title, and just there's always been that generational player that's just ahead. I know that's the I yeah that's exactly right. It's exactly right. I mean for Kayla, it's like Taylor Cummings wins three Tawartans. It's like she's always right there, and they were linked throughout their whole careers. And you know I think they were one two in their they were in the same class. I think they were one two coming out of high school, and they were just like right there the whole time high school, college, Team USA. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. You want to you wanna get one in there. Like you said, some of the best players of all time, Katie Rowan, Alyssa Murray, Kayla Trainer, now Megan Tyrell. I mean, these are, you know, some of the best to ever do it. Um, so it would, be, it would be a nice thing to be able to, uh, to get that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, uh, hey, who knows? More, more good players in the pipeline. Who knows? Emma yeah. Ward campaign next year. <laughs> And this is yeah. this is Terrell's what second finalist nomination? She was it's on the list yeah. last year too. Yeah, and I thought—I mean, I—I I honestly thought she had a pretty good shot at it uh, uh, back in 2021. Uh, she wasn't a finalist that year. Um, and interestingly, there were—I think there was a goalie and a defender who were finalists that year. I say interesting because this year, between the men's and the women's, all ten are attackers. Are attackers? <laughs> yeah. 
it that certainly is a conversation. It definitely becomes a conversation. Yeah. All uh, ten, all ten are attackers. Meanwhile, the first three picks in like the PL yeah. draft are defenders. Yeah, most of the first round, it's defenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's 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 what, funny. Kirk it's interesting. Threw, uh, it, it, Kirk threw Mark on the the top five for next year, so more goalies in the uh, oh yeah the top yeah absolutely yeah 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 absolutely Real <laughs> Mark I I posted that in our in our Slack. And this will be a nice transition into talking about the men's team reluctantly mm-hmm. about this as well. Because <laughs> while Will Mark was listed on Paul Carcantero's top five uh, mm-hmm. PLL draft prospects for next year, mm-hmm. the four above him are all in yeah. the ACC. Yeah. And three of the four are attackers. Yeah. And Brennan O'Neill, Pat Cavanaugh, and Connor Schellenberger, yeah. which is just horrendous yeah. for a Syracuse defense that has not defensed well over the past couple of years. That's right. That's right. Their defensing has been, uh, again, suboptimal. Um, yeah. You, you could say yeah, it was, it's indefensible. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> yeah. right. oh, boy, before, before that continues, <laughs> let's take a quick timeout break and thank our uh, halftime sponsor and our sponsor of the podcast, Home Field Apparel, your go-to shop for all your one-stop uh, throwback Syracuse or college of your choice apparel. Of course, if you go to uh, Home Field Apparel, uh, make sure you use. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you can still use the code Noons, right? Yeah, Noons, Noons for ten percent off your first purchase. Uh, we are still petitioning them for the 1990 trophy shirt. Um, oh yeah, we Absolutely. yeah. I, I I would assume the the university has been shutting it down, but <laughs> uh, I know we've we've uh, bounced that off Connor a couple of times, and I think it would be probably one of their better sellers for yeah. uh, Q's oh, apparel. Yeah, so. Oof. That'd be great, hey, you know. That would be awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in on that. That's for sure. Finding the missing trophy <laughs> on a shirt. So, if you want anything from a vintage '90s Syracuse logo tee to a Vita the Goat tee, or just a Syracuse '44 orange tee, or even some comfy joggers, or anything that you want to support your favorite uh, college, whether it be Syracuse or another brand, go to HomeFieldApparel.com and, of course, use that code Noons at checkout for ten percent off. Yeah, we've been over the fact that I think I own more other schools' apparel from home field than I do Syracuse. <laughs> so, yeah, they're comfy. Uh, all right, let's get to eating the vegetables. Uh, Syracuse men's lacrosse. Mm. Um, just a it, – it was better than last year. Let's put it that way. Eight yeah. and seven this year. At least yeah. they finished above 500. Mm-hmm. The second year of the Gary Gate campaign was – positive and negative in aspects and because we already started on this line let's go with the negatives okay the two glaring issues for this syracuse team were the defense and the face-offs and john i'll let you decide what you want to attack first because both of those areas are the clear areas of need that syracuse needs to attack if they want to get back to the ncaa tournament yeah where do you start no question um let's go with face-offs because um, I mean they're they're connected. They are they are connected. And let's go with faceoffs first because that's the you know that's the part that starts it off. Um, so yeah, I mean it was absolutely one of the worst faceoff seasons uh, that that we've uh, ever ever seen. <laughs> yeah, t- timeout. To say that for Syracuse is something. Yeah. Because Syracuse traditionally has had awful faceoffs. Yeah, for the newer Syracuse fans, you've been spoiled by Ben Williams and Jacob Fop. Yeah, not anymore. Yes, this is the yes. Syracuse face-off that most Syracuse men's lacrosse fans know. <laughs> yeah, 
that's right. Exactly. The the pre uh, Ben Williams coming over from Holy Cross to save us uh, yeah. era uh, of of face off. So yeah, I mean, you know, my my goodness. I mean, how how often during the season can we just go? Can I go back to the old same old thing and and talk about not winning enough face offs and and the offense not being able to have the ball enough and the defense is on the field too much? Will Mark is facing too much pressure? On and on and on. Does this sound like um, our football discussions, Christian? Yeah, it's it's my football discussions. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the same thing. You can rinse and repeat for football. We don't have the ball enough. Defense is on the field too long. <laughs> Instead of faceoffs, it's okay, Syracuse cool. going save three the, and save out. Save the tape. We'll just use it. Uh, yeah. yeah, use it in the fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what um, my that's my recaps. What my recaps were for twenty twenty one, or twenty twenty, whether mm-hmm. the COVID season. That was, it was the same thing. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, you know, I mean, there was unfortunately there was really only so much you could you could do i mean look they 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 utilize the transfer portal in the offseason right they they bring in johnny retrusa from canisius it doesn't work out so they you know they made the attempt they they couldn't uh uh you know they they tried they they got a guy that uh you know i i assume they felt pretty good about coming in did not really work out in fact he really jack fine ended up being better the better guy throughout uh the season than retrusa um and, you know, it was it, that was kind of all you could really do short of, you know, maybe putting a poll out there and trying trying with that, uh, you know, was just to keep throwing those two guys out there and, and hope that something uh, could happen. Um, and, you know, it was what it was, honestly. Um, but you you bring it back now. We're, we're kind of in the same situation we were last offseason where we're going back to the transfer portal and we're. We're going to be looking to figure it out. The good, the the good news is we we already know that in the f- incoming freshman class we got a faceoff guy who's coming in, uh, John Mullen um, from up in uh, Massachusetts, I think somewhere. I forget his school. Um, and he's you know he's rated as a four star guy. I, I've never seen him play, but I've heard you know you hear good things about him. So we'll we'll see. You never know with a freshman coming in, um, especially a specialist. Um, so that'll be, you know, he'll come in to, to the discussion and then, you know, I, there's no doubt they'll they'll try to get somebody else uh, from the transfer portal. There's already been one big name, at least one big name face off wise to go in uh, Virginia's backup from this year. Mac Eldridge, who was a freshman this year, rated very highly. I think he was about 15th, 16th, thir- some, somewhere there in the middle teens um, in the incoming class overall. Uh, and then just didn't play behind Petey LaSalle, who's still in college. Um, Some, somehow. 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 He's, he's the Carl Krauser of uh, men's yeah. class, just <laughs> continually there for decades. Um, so, yeah, he's, uh, this is it for Petey. So, interestingly, this this kid, Mac Eldridge, he decided to leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he wasn't happy with, you know, something else. But, of course, Petey is officially out of eligibility. We've we've checked and double checked and rechecked. He's done. Um, so even with that, he's deciding to at least enter the transfer portal. So we'll see. That could be a name, but there will be others as well. Um, I, I, so here's one to throw out because I'm not sure if he's actually going to do this or college or not. Is Jake Spolina going to take faceoffs? Yeah, that's. It's a good question. He does do it, uh, or he has done it for Mount yeah. Sinai. Um, Steve, by the way, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this, but there are three Spolina brothers and they have all committed to Syracuse. Does this sound like other brothers in the Syracuse? <laughs> like The only difference is that where, they don't all play from, attack. From up near where I'm from? 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's the yeah, only difference that they don't all play attack. Joey's the attacker. Jake, who's coming in next year, is a midfielder and face-off guy. Um, and uh, Brett, the youngest, is coming in 2024 and is a defender. So by 2024, does their dad Aren't? retire from Stony Brook and just join the staff? or? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it depends is he going to be an assistant on trainer staff <laughs> okay i wouldn't i wouldn't hate that i would not hate that i mean the eldest the eldest wiener's got a good jo- good job going at stony brook right now true <laughs> he does he does absolutely their their season ended today in a loss to loyola one goal loss to loyola but uh no question he's he's a great coach um that wouldn't shock me he he was at one of the games earlier in the year, they showed him. Yeah, I remember practice. that. Yeah. And I remember saying, what's he do? It was a Saturday. It was, yeah. And I'm like, what's he doing there? And <laughs> the Stony, it turned out, I looked at the schedule. Stony Brook didn't play that Saturday. I think they played a couple. They played like Thursday, and then they didn't have a game. Although I think they were playing like the next day or something. But I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. He's, he's, he's catching a flight up, and then he's, yeah. uh, he's headed back for uh, Long Island after that. Um so that uh, yeah, that that wouldn't shock me with uh, with him wanting to see his kids play. I I think Christian, uh, the younger boys are twins. I oh, believe really? they're both. I believe they're both in next year's class. Uh, Brett and Jake, I believe, are twins. Oh, they um, are. Mm-hmm. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they will both be. So it'll be all three Spolina brothers next year. Um, yeah, and they, yeah, it is interesting. They all play different positions, uh, unlike the Pals um, or the Gates. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as Jake is concerned, I I mean my ge- I, my guess, and it is certainly purely a guess, is no. Um, I think he's definitely a little uh, on the undersized side yeah. of as far as college faceoffs is concerned. Um, he would definitely need to bulk up, uh, I think, to be um, uh, effect. You know, ultimately effective, especially taking faceoffs in the ACC. I mean, you're going against. They love talking about you know again to use PD. Ex- LaSalle is an example. They love talking about uh, how he can squat like, you know, 600 pounds or whatever the, I think it might be over 600 pounds or something, something absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Because everyone saw Mikey Schlossenberger and was like, let's just do what he oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's a wrestler. So he's, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that until the PLL draft when they drafted him and showed highlights it's, of him wrestling at Lehigh. Steve, do yourself a favor. Look up pictures of Mikey Schlossenberger, face-off guy from Lehigh. <laughs> and tell me this is not the most intimidating guy you want to stand up next to um, to take a face off. He just got taken fifth overall in the PLL draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. To the Redwoods, I believe, or something. Uh, Archers. 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 Okay. To the Archers. Yeah, who, who, who needed a face off guy? They need a face off um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. He's got, the, he's got the, the look. He's got the intimidating look about him, for sure. Um, so, yeah, if you're going up against guys like that. Yeah. I think for now he's probably a little on the undersized side yeah. would be my guess. I don't know. Again, speaking of that, I, again, John Mullen, I know nothing about him as a faceoff other than what I've heard. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where getting that veteran guy uh, becomes, becomes so important. So, Jesus. and we, I mean, it's even more important now because now we know, like now we know uh, what this team was this year. And we all know the deal as far as what they could have been had we had, a even above 50% face-off guy and yeah. what we what we could have accomplished. Um, given just a little bit more possession, a little less pressure on the defense and Will Mark, um, you know, now we know that for, for sure. And it's I, I think that puts even more pressure on on Gate and the staff to make sure they get, you know, someone to, to come in and, and just 
improve the situation just 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 a little bit. Doesn't have to be Jacob Fopp or Ben Williams. You got to come in, get us to fifty percent, and uh, the offense will take it from there. This offense, you know, was one of the highest scoring uh, top ten in the country with very little possession. Um, and you know they'll be they they'll just give them more chances, and yeah, yeah. they're going to take off for sure. Yeah, you got that micro, microcosm of that with the uh, the Notre Dame game. Yeah. Where it's oh. like, oh, hey, we're playing awesome. <laughs> Notre Dame game. Oh, wait, we're not because we don't have the ball. What the hell? Oh, God. Oh, God. What a, what a nightmare that series has become. And this is the year we think we finally got it, and then the refs screw us. And the no goal into the, the no goal. The no goal into eight straight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight goals. Awful. Oh yeah, the goodness. fact that that, made... that that caused the like the wheels to just come off was like what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that made the women's game against BC look like nothing. Yeah, like eight, <laughs> eight in a row or nine in a row, whatever the heck it was, all in the fourth quarter. That was like what? Yeah, it, 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 it was. And it was eight? a six. It was a six minute span. Also, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. and winning at the time. Yeah, and I, that I I that looked at the score. Up by two if I, if it would have been yeah. yeah. Syracuse had a one goal lead. I had to leave. I had to leave the house. Yeah. We were up thirteen to twelve. Yeah, I checked the score. Yeah. Like I I had to run my son to. I think I had to run him to Cub Scouts or something. I oh, came back and I was like, I look. I pulled up. I'm like, oh, I wonder how that. Oh my god, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops! Accidentally looked at a box score from last year. No, that can't. That can't yeah. possibly be. Yeah, and then Christian yeah, sent no. me the link to the no goal, and I was like, no, "Oh, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand I, the sport." <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my gosh, so many, Which so I many things should. with replay I, and lacrosse yeah, that I, need to be figured out. I live in Camillus, and my son's starting lacrosse next week, oh, so I should okay, probably wow. learn this thing. <laughs> Remember, Absolutely. because Absolutely. because your yeah. because no, your son's going to be sure. in a. Because your son's going to be an offensive lineman, he's going to play goalie or fogo in in, uh, in lacrosse. Nice, yes, that's his spring right there. There you go. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, you, you talked a little about the offense, and there's mm. a lot of reasons to be excited for the for the offense based on just the future. Um, I want to touch on two points. The first one is uh, before the offense. There was a lot of things to like. Let's not get me wrong. There was one part that he, that was a little bit troubling for the offense because it feels like it flowed in spurts, and that was uh, just turnovers, lazy turnovers. Because mm. it felt like towards the middle of the season when Syracuse went on that little run when they beat UNC uh, um, at that weird neutral site game, it felt yeah. like that Syracuse had figured out on offense to like slow down the turnovers. But then as the... But then once you got to that last part of the schedule with those three brutal road games, yes, it may be the competition, but there were just some turnovers that looked characteristic of how that Syracuse offense looked at the beginning of the season, which wasn't a cohesive unit. Yeah. So how much of that is on the offense versus not having the ball enough because of the defense slash Fogo issues? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I think that's definitely uh, a, a a part of it for sure is the when you know the we all know that with lacrosse when you don't have the ball and you you don't have it for a period of time and you get it back that puts that added pressure on the offense to uh to make to make sure you make something happen and that definitely can lead to to mistakes uh you know you're you try to force something uh you know it's a it's a pass that uh, uh you know you're trying to to slip it into an area that you know, it's too tight a space right in the middle of the, of the defense. Um, 
and and you end up making mistakes that way. So I definitely think that's a part of it. Not having the ball, um, you know, leads led to a little bit more pressure on on the team that led to some more turnovers. Um, and then you know sometimes you just have to chalk it up to uh, some you know you see a little bit too much sloppy passing at times from you know perhaps you chalk it up to a young a young team, um, but. I think, you know, you you give them the ball more. I think that that's enough of a fix to to mitigate the turnovers and and uh, you know let them run a little bit more comfortably, uh, less pressure, just just kind of go with the flow of it, which is something they love to do. They they love to just kind of just feel the game out and and throw the pass that uh, that feels easy or that. You know, uh, they we know they love to throw those behind the back passes, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that's another thing that comes back to just having the ball more, uh, you know, less pressure, fewer mistakes. And so the other thing I wanted to talk about the offense is, is roster construction also for next year, because with uh, the we, we talked about the Syracuse needs, it's, you know, full go and close and close defense. But then when yeah. you get the offense, you look at. Yes, it was a young team, but that was also buoyed by the grad transfers of Cole Kirsten and Alex Simmons, especially mm. once they made that switch to put Kirsten on attack and yeah. Simmons more in the midfield. Uh, both of those guys uh, are now PLL pros, Kirsten getting drafted, Simmons getting signed out of the player pool. Yeah. So what does Syracuse do to replace both of those guys? Do they go again through the grad transfer portal and maybe pick up one of those, you know, promising attackers from a group of five team or do they promote from within because of last year's just incredibly strong recruiting class? Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, there's, there's a number of different ways to go here because so many guys were, um, I don't know if I want to say out of position because it, it, we know that gate likes to at times emphasize uh, positionless and, and just have it kind of, flow naturally but uh, you know guys like finn thompson michael leo both playing midfield this past year both were attackers coming out of high school um so there's the possibility that you see one of them moved uh down low to join spalina and hilts um i think there's no question we'll see them add somebody in the portal um to to be a complimentary piece can come in and, and fill the hole left by Kirsten Simmons. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're definitely going to see people step up. I think, you know, Finn and Michael Leo, especially will have bigger roles uh, next year, especially if one of them moves to attack. Um, Luke Roa, another guy you're going to see have a bigger role started to really play well as the season went on. He had, I think he ended up with a hat trick in the Duke game at the end of the season. Yeah, a good, a really good player who was playing in second line midfield. Uh, this year, probably have a chance to bump up and be a starter next year. Um, Jackson Burtwistle, same thing. He was on second line midfield as well. So, you know, you have this core of six guys coming back. Uh, they're losing from the top nine, Kirst Simmons and uh, and Griffin Cook. So you got this core of six coming back. So I think you'll see the increased roles for the everybody who's not Spillane and Hilts because they already were, uh, were the biggest roles uh in leading the offense. Um, so you've got that core of six coming back. You've got a really good freshman coming in, a uh, kid by the name of Trey Deer, who plays at uh, the Salisbury School in Connecticut. Um, and he's a big-time finisher. 
um, really good, somewhat like a Jackson Burt whistle, like off ball, you know, have Hilt, Spolina, whoever it is, find him for the finish. Um, he's probably a little bit more well-balanced than Jackson Burt whistle, who had zero assists this year. Uh, but uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. 27 goals, zero assists, no problem. Just keep pouring in goals. Um, so I, I, I would expect Tradier to come in and be um, an important contributor, part of that top nine next year. Um, so, and then some other guys down the roster, maybe like a Johnny Cohen, maybe he becomes a backup midfielder. Um, but I, I would expect them to add somebody in uh, in the transfer portal to replace that that Simmons, the kind of the hybrid between Kirsten Simmons role. Um, but other than that, I think we're, we're going to really see the uh, continued growth of these young freshmen, you know, other than Spolina get a, get a chance to really do much more. I mean, Finn Thompson this year, 33 points, Michael Leo, 26 points. That's as freshman midfielders in the ACC. Those are excellent numbers. If you're above the 20 point line as a freshman midfielder in the ACC, you're having a great season. Leo's in the upper twenties, Finn's approaching the mid thirties. They'll get to do even more and, and, and show off even more next year. So I look forward to that because that's going to be, very fun to see i think this is a group that not only gets to you get the young guys growing but they get to grow together and grow as their individual talents but also the chemistry together um is gonna is really gonna be fun to watch because you look at what they did on the man up this year the way they moved the ball yeah is unbelievable it's just it's just crazy they're they're so in tune with each other they they're so smooth um I, I expect that to just continue and then get even better. So that's that is going to be your your core of contributors. And uh, I mean, you got to feel you got to feel good about it. I think it's, you got the uh, sense if this team was put in a box across field, this would be the best team ever. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, this this team, all the they have the what three Canadians? Uh, yeah, uh, on this team, and you know, I mean, curse doesn't matter. He can just bull his way through anybody so he yeah. doesn't need, he needs no space and obviously Spillane as well yeah no question that's the other thing Spillane is going to go up and play uh some indoor lacrosse this uh yeah. summer uh up in up in the Canadian league up there this summer so that's going to be great uh, experience for him and I think I Finn is playing as well um at least a couple of them are so that's going to be oh oh Hiltz as well of course um, yeah so yeah that's going to be that's going to be great tremendous experience for them and uh could they come back even better? I mean, yeesh. We'll see. Yeah, well, one name to uh, look out for in the portal, in the portal who's going to receive a lot of attention uh, if Syracuse wants to dip back into Le- the Lehigh pool like they did with, with Curse. Uh, yeah. you, look, you look at uh, Christian Mule, also yeah. from, from Lehigh, a uh, 73-point season this year, uh, yeah. 20, 29 goals, 44 assists. Yep. Uh, that nice. could be an option. He'll, he'll receive a lot of interest. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, had a huge uh, uh, season this year, his biggest season. Um, and certainly the year after we get cursed from Lehigh, that certainly yeah. is, uh, is something that'll that'll catch Syracuse fans' eyes. Absolutely. I mean, he would be an amazing uh, addition. It would be interesting because he's a, he's a lefty attackman, uh, same as Hiltz is. So they would have to uh, do some maneuvering there, but I'm sure they could easily figure that out. Um, so, yeah, Mule, one of the big names uh, – in the portal right now, for sure, have an eye on that. I mentioned Mac Eldridge already face-off. Uh, North Carolina had uh, their LSM from this past year. Matthew Wright went into the 
portal, that could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously, we have Alexo as an LSM, but, uh, you know, you can't have too many uh, quality poles defensively. So, uh, you know, who knows? That could be something to keep an eye on. Those are, those are, the, biggest, those are the three biggest names I've seen so far. Um, so, yeah, we'll... Uh, yeah, we one, yeah, one final question on the lacrosse talk. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just kind of an interesting one just to kind of wrap this up because we I, we talked about phase-offs, we talked about attack. You have mm-hmm. Mark and Gold next year for one more season. Right. Defense defense is another question mark. Like, how do you fix the defense? Yeah. The question, the question I have is you probably go to the transfer portal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Where does where does Riley Figueres factor into all this? Because he was injured in that in that preseason or that, you know, fall ball game against fall Loyola ball. and yeah. didn't get to see him play this year. Yeah. Where does he fit into all this mix? Because he will, he looked to be a for sure and starter um, mm. once, once uh, all the recruiting dust settled. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he figures in uh, very importantly. Uh, there's no question about it. So let's go back for a second to when you mentioned the, uh, top five on Kark's uh, big board for next year's PLL draft. You mentioned the three big attackmen, uh, O'Neill, Schellenberger, and Cavanaugh. These are, you know, maybe the three top offensive players in the country, even, even well, three of the top this year will be next year as well. These are the, the hardest guys in the country to cover. What you need when you play these teams is a number, a true blue number one cover guy, which Syracuse has left for the lat for a while now really since i guess nick mellon um so it's been it's been going on half a decade really that we've that we've lacked that real you know i mean kennedy was always good but he was always better as an lsm than than a, a close defender um so maybe kennedy if you wanted to say that but uh you need that top cover guy and you know we we haven't had that figaris i think fits that description as a guy who can be the number one, a real number one cover guy who you can put on Kavanaugh and feel pretty strongly about, you know, and let's put it this way, about Kavanaugh not having nine points against us like he always does. Um, that he can that he can help hold hold those guys down. At the very least, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, come in and <laughs> and shut them down. The kids never played in college before, but he he everything you hear about him he seems to be the number one i have seen him play a few times in high school and i can say he i mean if he comes back from the injury the same as he was before he has elite cover skills his footwork uh is outstanding his one-on-one uh ball denial and just on ball defending skills are uh elite um and so he he would fill that that role of that number one guy. So when you look at the defense for next year, um, you look at a, depending upon what we see in the transfer portal, every, nobody is graduating out of this defense. Everybody is back eligibility wise. If they are coming back, um, not transfer portal wise, you add in Figueres, you add in another highly ranked defender from this year's freshman class, and then see what happens in the transfer portal. I think we're going to be feeling better about the depth on next year's team on defense. Cause that's, that's been the other thing we haven't just lacked the top end defender. We've, we've had really poor depth. And when guys have gone down, 
we've had to rely on inexperienced guys. For example, Landon Clary this year goes down in the Hopkins game, is out for a, a chunk of games, and we have to turn to uh, Billy Dwan, a freshman, really good, really highly rated, going to be really good. Uh, but, you know, you're throwing him into the fire uh, as, uh, as a freshman defender in ACC games. Um, and so the, you know, the, the depth of experienced guys hasn't been there for this roster. I think we're going to be feeling better about that uh, next year. And I say that before we even get anybody in the transfer portal, um, assuming that we probably will. But I, knowing that everybody is coming back, uh, that there's some, some good pieces in place. Um, and, of course, I'm assuming that Figueres is going to be really good. Uh, but I think he's going to come in and be uh, be a, a top cover guy that we feel good about. So, yeah, he he'll – We'll see. He'll be one of the guys leading the charge for next year's defense. And when you combine, to bring it back to that first question you had about uh, face-offs and defense, you know, if you can combine that with winning more face-offs, that may be even more important than getting the offense more possession. We talk about getting the offense more possession. It's obviously important, but this offense was a top 10 scoring offense in the country this year with a lack of possession. I think the even more important factor is giving a break to the defense. I think that's the the big thing with uh, winning more faceups. Take the pressure off that defense. Give them give them more time to not be under pressure. Will Mark as well. Uh, it's, Mark just got bombarded a ton this Mark, year. Yeah, Mark. I mean, he had that stretch uh, when we were doing like the Maryland, North Carolina, Duke, the first North Carolina Duke games, uh, and. In the Hopkins game, I think he faced he faced over 200 shots. They weren't all on goal, but 200 shots in four games. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know lacrosse all that well, but that seems not great. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the kind of thing that you don't – yeah, you just uh, – that's – yeah, speaking of doctors, that's not good for the health of your goalie. <laughs> uh, I mean, jeesh, have, uh, have a lacrosse ball coming at you over 200 times in a four-game span. That's just not good for anybody. Mental health, physical health, nothing. Um, so, you know, we talk about that. I mean, that's, that, that's a real tangible thing to give Will Mark, which by the way, makes what Will Mark did this year, even more incredibly impressive, um, the pressure that he was under. So, yeah, I think you combine, uh, Figueres coming in to be that top guy. We'll see what happens transfer portal wise for both defense and, uh, face-offs. I think the situation, the, the every game situation uh, the game flow next year could be a lot better off. Win more face-offs, take pressure off that defense, have more depth on defense to begin with, um, and then let the offense cook. And that's uh, that's a pretty good formula if we can make that happen. Yeah. Yep. And that. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully it goes better for Syracuse lacrosse next year. The women are still going on, and yep. it looks it looks like they're in a good position to maybe reach. Uh, at, at, mid, at very minimum, the Final Four weekend, but it looks like they've they've got a good chance at least to get back to the championship game that they reached a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I mean, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with James Madison this week. But I mean, I think you talk about where they were with that fifteen and zero start. You know, you got to reach the Final Four. Um, you got to reach yeah. that. You got to reach Memorial Day weekend. You know, you 
you can't fall short of that with where they were. And then look, you make it to Final Four weekend, two games in three days. If if you get there, you're you're looking at probably the four best teams in the country at that point. And if you you know, and then it's a free for all at that point. If you're looking at Syracuse, BC at that point, anything can happen. Um, but uh, you definitely got to get there if you're the women to you know to not feel like whoa things collapsed at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, we'll see, especially off the back of this performance today. So. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go women. No, no, no titles in history. I, I listen, <laughs> I'm still waiting on that next yeah. title from Oh nine. So I, uh, I mean, but it feels like both lacrosse programs are overdue for a title, but especially this woman's yeah. one, because they've come so close so many times, whether it was under yeah. gate or trainer. So hopefully, hopefully it's this year, especially after the start that they had and it'll continue on with yep. this James Madison game on Thursday. Before we yep. wrap up the pod for tonight, uh, let's wrap up some of the more important non-lacrosse Syracuse news that happened this week. Uh, Steve and I can handle this one because we know about uh, the first one for us football guys is the commitment of, mm. Bra- of uh, Braden Davis, a uh, four-star cornerback uh, who came out of Kentucky to join the Orange. Yay, we got a, a quarterback from South Carolina. Oh, wait. No, wrong, not that one. <laughs> wrong one. Wrong oh, one. Okay. Hey, we got a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, for anyone who doesn't know, Lenora Sellers, who was a commit in the 2023 class, 2023, 2024 class, 2023. 20, yeah. Coming no, in this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's South Carolina. I, I literally was talking about South Carolina. Look. I went to yeah. look, and I was like, uh, "What year yeah. is this?" Um. So Sellers was uh, one of our higher, if not highest, rated commit in the 23 class. Uh, ended up decommitting, going to South Carolina. Apparently, in return, we get a transfer <laughs> from South Carolina, who was a four-star in high school, Braden Davis. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty well looked after, and apparently a known uh, target from South Carolina. So, uh, a good get. Can't complain there, and uh, fills out the quarterback room that got pretty thin pretty quick there. Yeah, so Syracuse at least has someone in there, and the th- third string is not Luke McPhail. No offense to Luke McPhail, but you never right. want a preferred walk-on to be your third-string quarterback, especially given how Syracuse has gone through quarterbacks yep. over the past couple of years. And then on the basketball side, the big one, Syracuse picks up a commit from four-star uh, prospect Donnie Freeman, number 36 in the class of 2024. Pretty much a top 50, no matter what on recruiting site you look, bar one or two exceptions. Um, and it seems like Adrian Autry is really making the DMV his home as he did when he was an assistant and not the head coach. Yeah, and it's good to see Red kind of starting to cook. Um, it's it, to see to see some transfers coming in is one thing. To see some top 40 freshmen coming in, too, in the same year, uh, it can't bode poorly it definitely definitely is a good look on uh on what's going on we'll see what happens on the court but at least being able to backfill some of those transfers out with uh some solid transfers in and some solid commits uh not going to complain so you have jj starling coming in chance westry coming into the men's programs yeah Braden davis from the qb side along with all the other transfers especially the uh bergen catholic guys and Jaden Gould and Jaden Bellamy coming into the program as well for football. Hopefully men's lacrosse can do the same and fill out this program as well with some nice transfers as well to bolster a promising unit 
from this past season as well. That should do it for us on the pod here on the Disloyal Idiots podcast. Uh, John, thanks for joining us on a on a busy weekend, especially for the lacrosse side for the women, at least. And maybe as if the hopefully if the run continues, we can have you on fairly fairly soon to hopefully talk about a title run slash title win. That would be awesome. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having me. This was fun, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Steve, did I miss anything? No, I think I think that's it. Like, subscribe, do the happy, fun things. You know, make mm-hmm. sure people are, make sure more people are, you know, listening, and uh, we'll be continuing to broadcast and talk to you later. I think, as always, go orange. Yeah, go orange. Orange. <laughs>